they know the you know what needs to be done you know there's there's not only you know influence of culture there's influence of beliefs there's there's all sorts that you know come together influence whether a practitioner will you know whether the content will resonate with the practitioner and whether a patient will you know listen and do what the practitioner is doing Health literacy is a topic you might have heard about, and it's certainly one that has informed projects I've worked on in CME and CPD. For those of you who want to learn more, I'm recommending the Health Literacy Out Loud podcast, hosted by Helen Osborne. Helen's podcasts are interviews with those in the know about some aspect of health communication, patient education, or health literacy. Guests share real-world experiences and suggestions about ways to communicate clearly about health. To listen and learn more, go to www.healthliteracyoutloud.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the link is in the show notes. Have you ever wondered about CME and CE in Africa? Or how you could use your content creation skills to improve health outcomes globally? This episode explores how one CME writer is using her expertise to directly improve patient care in Africa through continuing medical education. Helen Fossum, PhD, is a seasoned medical writer with two decades of experience shaping her career. And today we're talking about the significance of diversity, equity and inclusion in clinical research and the dearth of CME in resource-limited settings like Africa that led Helen to launch the MILO Initiative, which stands for the Missing Link to Improved Health Outcomes. This pioneering project is aimed at democratizing access to CME in Africa and harmonizing healthcare knowledge across the globe. In today's episode, you'll discover how the MILO Initiative is transforming healthcare education in Africa and how Helen extends the reach and effectiveness of education materials by working with local experts. This approach ensures that the education materials are culturally and linguistically relevant, accessible to the target population, and foster sustainable healthcare practices. So tune in to hear firsthand how this global health education initiative got started in the first place, and how it aims to bridge gaps in medical knowledge and practice through context-specific content development and delivery. Welcome to Write Medicine, where we explore best practices in creating continuing education content for health professionals. I'm Alex Housen, and I'm on a mission to share expert insights and field perspectives on topics like adult learning, content creation techniques, effective formats, and trends in healthcare that influence the type of continuing education content that we create. Write Medicine is the premier podcast for CME CPD professionals like you, wherever you are in the content creation process. Join us.
Welcome, Helen. Thank you. It's good to see you. So let's start with sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. If you could just tell listeners of Right Medicine who Helen Fossum is and the work that you do. Sure. I'm a medical writer and I have been doing medical writing for the past close to 20 years. I started off in academia. Uh, that was back in the UK. And then when we relocated here in the, to the United States, that's when really my medical writing career started. Because before then, I had no idea what medical writing was, what was all about. So as a medical writer, I first was employed. Uh, I worked with a small company initially called uh, INCE, Interactive Network for Continuing Medical Education, Stumbled. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to work with uh, WebMD, and I did, was there for about six years. And when I left WebMD, I joined another small company that lasted under a year because I loved the remote working, which WebMD allowed me to do, WebMD Medscape. And when I left the small company, Robert Michael Educational Institute, I then became a freelancer. Mm-hmm. That was back in 2011, and I've been there ever since. And I love it. So let's talk about the Milo initiative. Milo. Sure, absolutely. Milo is, it stands for the missing link to improved health outcomes. And it all started, that was back in, it didn't formally start as Milo, but it, back in 2015, I had a, um, someone reached out for me from Africa asking me to help them put together a CME program. They had a one month to do everything. I said, no, 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 that doesn't (laughs) happen in one month. (laughs) Maybe three months, but not one month. So I provided them with the guidance. This was like around August timeframe. I provided them with, you know, what a proper, you know, CME program would look like, uh, required three month lead in. And I did that. And then I didn't hear again. And then in December, they came back and said, oh, we want to put together an ongoing curriculum can you help us and that was really the start of me thinking there's a problem here that we need to solve and what the person shared with me at the time was that this was actually in Nigeria Mm -hmm. the person in Nigeria told me that a lot of physicians were not being able to keep up with their medical knowledge and, and, and skills because there were just no opportunities Mm-hmm. And he was at a point where he had to fly his sick mother to India to get medical care because mm-hmm. it was just not available. And I thought, well, really? Okay, if he can afford to take his mother to India, what about people who can't do that? What happens? So I did some research. And as it turns out, CME is something that is not, they call it CPD, new Professional Development. Mm-hmm. There's not that much of it. So I thought, oh, okay, with my skills, I can actually try and figure something out. You know, why not start creating these courses? And that's how um, Milo actually came into being. And it, it became, I, I, I kind of 
stumbled along between 2015 and 2009 because I didn't, really didn't know what I was doing. I was experimenting, trying all sorts of things. Sure. In 2019, that's when I was, I would say, formally took off because I, I created my first pilot course that was on type 2 diabetes. I fielded it out. I, I did some surveys, you know, with the African population, with healthcare professionals in Africa. And they told me, the results of that survey told me, yes, there was a need. So I started saying, okay, let's create content that anybody can take. It's online, which means as long as you have the internet, you can take it. And that was a problem that we in Africa because a lot of the opportunities for CME that they had, you had to go to a physical location. Mm. It was part of the conference. So if you are in the village somewhere or if you are a junior doctor or a nurse, or for example, you can go to those places. Yeah. So it was exclusive for those who can, you know, maybe for the registrars who had the money and who had the clout and who, you know, could just go. And yeah, so with an online course, we made it so that all anybody who has uh, internet can access it. Mm-hmm. So that was 2019. And then that's what I've been doing ever since. But then in creating those courses, I realized that the people who write those courses those content and review those content is just as important as the content itself. For example, there was a course that was working on reproductive health. I used a professor in Zambia to do the review. I used a writer in, in Nigeria to help me do that. And the first draft I did, I wrote it as, you know, with my American hat on. And the reviewer, the professor, read it and said, well, it's beautiful what you've written, but this, none of this applies to us. No. We don't have this medicine. We don't do this. We don't do that. So it told me that content writers have to be on the ground because they know, I call it where the shoe hurts. Mm-hmm. They know the, you know, what needs to be done. You know, there's, there's not only, you know, influence of culture, there's influence of beliefs. There's, there's all sorts that, you know, come together. Mm influence whether a practitioner will, you know, whether the content will resonate with the practitioner yeah. and whether a patient will, you know, listen and do what the practitioner is doing. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's really when I realized that all the content that's developed has to be from the ground. Yeah. And that's where the, this mental thing we're talking about, because I need content developers, I said, okay, you're interested in medical writing. Let's, let's get you to where you need to be. Work with me and we'll do that. So if you go to the Milo website, there's a blog that we write. Every single name on there is an African name because mm-hmm. they are the writers. Right. We have patient information leaflets. The writers, the reviewers are all right from there. Yeah. The graphic de- designer that we use is right from there. So, uh, and right now we're in Kenya doing some pilot, the people on the ground, you, you really need those, you know, people who understand how the system works. So that's kind of Milo and there's a, there's a whole bunch of things about it that I haven't said, but essentially, yeah, it's creating content for healthcare professionals in Africa and for patient, there's Mm -hmm. patient information leaflets that we do. Translated currently to eight different languages. Wow. Um, yeah. So have you had to write grants to get funding for this initiative? Can you talk a bit about that? Right now, 
where I am with this is that I had to prove to myself that this is viable because my, my company is the edge medical writing. Mm-hmm. And this is what, you know, has sustained me as a medical writer. Milo is, my husband calls it a hobby. <laughs> That's your hobby. That's not really work. <laughs> and I had to prove or demonstrate that this is something, not only a need, but it can also be a business. Mm. And that pilot that we are doing in Kenya is my way of, again, proving to myself that this is a viable business because the pilot is looking at ways to sell advertising space. Mm. So up to now, I haven't applied for grants because the first thing that they will ask for grants is that you, you need to know what you need the money for. Sure. You need to, I want to be able to, maybe it's my stubbornness. I need to demonstrate that there's not only a need, but this is the process that we need to follow. And these are the outcomes that we need to achieve. Mm-hmm. So it has been a journey for me to identify all those things. So now, if I go to a sponsor, I can tell them this is the data that we have because mm-hmm. in Kenya, we're not only doing a marketing pilot, we are also doing an impact study. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I want to be able to demonstrate to a potential sponsor that, look, all these hospitals are so engaged in this project that we're doing. And we are testing our initiative on this population of patients. And this is what we are finding. Mm-hmm. So we, it's a three month pilot and we are in the second end of the second month. So we have one month, one more month to go. Right. So once all that's in place, then applying for those grants will start. Well, that's pretty amazing, Helen. And, and you're obviously not the average medical writer in, in CME because not only are you kind of developing content, but you're also creating curricula and developing impact studies and outcomes frameworks as well. And I think, you know, one of the things that new to the field writers ask me is, you know, are we supposed to design the education? And I say, no, there's usually someone on the educational strategy side who's going to do that. You will have to put together an agenda but not the actually not the actual you know education design itself but but you are actually doing that and so that is that is pretty amazing this episode of right medicine is brought to you by right cme pro a professional development membership that provides skills and scaffolding for medical writers who want to create cme content with confidence Right CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills. A portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects. Group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME and much, much more. Write CME Pro is a professional development membership for people like you who are ready to launch and grow a specialized CME medical writing niche. See the link in the show notes for more information about how to enroll. And one of the things that 
that strikes me about the way you're describing using local writers for context and making sure that the content resonates with the people that, you know, who are going to consume it and be educated by it is also a great model for US based you know CME and CE as well because you know the US is is such a vast place that is you know with all sorts of cultural uh racial and ethnic differences and language differences that you know CME has started to kind of pay a lot more attention to over the last few years and certainly it you know now has a little more clarity of focus and i want to hear what you think about this on diversity equity and inclusion so that hopefully the content that writers will be engaged in creating will be more nuanced will be more contextualized will be more you know appropriately aligned with the the people who are actually going to be using it is that something that you see beginning to occur in the US context? Absolutely, yes. We The last two, uh, our uh, freelance workshop, mm-hmm. we actually had present, presenters talk about DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is not only beginning to trickle into the medical writing arena, especially with CME included, mm-hmm. But it's also something that is embraced by the pharmaceutical companies, but mm-hmm. yeah, because they include, they are now including more DEI. In fact, our first yeah. two years ago, our, the first time we presented, we had to speak on DEI was actually someone who worked at a BMS. And that person was telling me that yes, BMS and so many other pharma companies are beginning to embrace DEI. And I also believe that AMWA National, has now, they do have a statement. They do have a statement, on yeah. So this is something that is increasingly permeating, you know, the medical writing and reading. And I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. As you say, there's so much diversity in, in the US, you know, from, from culture, from, you know, sexual orientation, from, you know, you name it. There's, there's a whole spectrum. Now, Absolutely. if you are providing healthcare to, this spectrum of people, but you only applying, you know, from one angle, you're going to miss a whole range of people. And it's not only uh, providing healthcare, but we are also talking about doing clinical research because there's so much underrepresentation. I'll give yeah. you one example, one really important example. There's a population of people with benign Neutropenia, mm-hmm. it's called benign ethnic neutropenia. Normally, neutrophil levels are between uh, 2,500 and about 7,000, uh, I believe it's a uh, milligram per, per liter or something like that. And it's for those people with benign neutropenia, their neutrophil is usually below one yeah, or below 1,000. Milligram per, per liter. And it becomes a problem when they have to have chemotherapy mm. because the guideline says that for you to have chemotherapy, your neutrophil count must be above at least 1.5 or above. Right. Now, if you're permanently below 
one or below, it means you're denied mm-hmm. of treatment. And that's why if you look at the statistics, if you look at the, you know, the research that exists, you find that these people with benign neutropenia are generally Africans, Caribbeans, sometimes are Hispanics. The research has been done on the African population or African Americans shows that for breast cancer, the population is actually lower than the Caucasians, but the death rate Uh. is much, much higher. Granted, access to care is one thing, but nobody has done any research on this population mm-hmm. with permanently low neutropenia. I mean, they're perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's and I can do, you know, with a high neutrophil count. It's, it's an like, exclusionary metric. Yes, because they're excluded automatically yeah. from clinical trials. Yeah. So in terms of this equity and inclusion, diversity, equi- equity and inclusion, it's not only about, you know, your, your religious beliefs or your sexual orientation, whether you're male or female, whether you're old or, or, or young, rich or poor. It starts right at the beginning at the clinical trial level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For both male and females. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By prostate cancer, it's the same problem. But then, of course, it becomes challenging as to to actually conduct these, conduct these trials, it is expensive. You need, you have to bring patients in. You know, you have to convince them that there's all, there's a whole bunch of other, you know, challenges that we need to overcome. But it's still good to actually be, be aware that this, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. And it's all about that diversity, equity and inclusion. And just one correction I need to make. On the neutrophil count, I said it was, the unit is microliter of blood. I hope today's episode provides a peek into the barriers to equitable care in Africa and how customised CME can impact the ability of health professionals to provide quality up-to-date care. Here are some of my takeaways. Localised content is paramount. The success of CME programmes like Milo lies in their ability to be culturally and contextually relevant. The use of local content creators and reviewers ensures that the medical education material is not only accurate, but also resonates with the local health professionals and patients. Second, geographic barriers are not insurmountable. Online CME platforms break down the geographical barriers that previously limited access to healthcare education. And this approach democratizes learning, allowing healthcare professionals, regardless of their location, to stay updated with the latest health and medical knowledge and skills. And third, the Milo approach has impact beyond Africa. The strategies and insights from this initiative have broader implications offering a model that can be adapted in other regions, including the US, to address cultural and ethnic disparities in CME and healthcare delivery. So what steps can we take today after listening to this episode? We can explore local content development. If you're involved in CME, 
Consider how localized content can improve your education activities. Engage with local experts and communities to ensure that your CME activities are culturally, linguistically, and contextually relevant. If you're an education provider, you can advocate within your organization for more inclusion and equity-focused CME and actively work to incorporate DEI in your content. This could involve diversifying your team of content creators or ensuring that your materials are inclusive and representative of different populations. And for tips on how to build DEI into CME content, check out episode 61 of the Right Medicine podcast with Sapana Pandey. And regardless of your role in CME, you can support nonprofit organizations like Milo that are addressing care disparities worldwide by volunteering your expertise or donating to their mission. Thanks for listening. Helen is back on Monday Mentor to share insights on mentoring within medical writing and skill building in CME writing. And on Wednesday, Regina C. Meunier is back to talk about transitions and professional identities, which is a key theme in the professional development domain of the 2024 Alliance Annual Meeting that is taking place in New Orleans in February between the 5th and the 8th. I'm presenting at the meeting, so if you're going, come and find me and let's find time to chat over a cuppa. That's a cup of tea. (laughs) Until then, connect with me on LinkedIn, grab the right CME roadmap, subscribe to the podcast newsletter, Right Medicine Insider, or consider joining Right CME Pro the professional development membership for medical writers who want to specialize in CME and CE content. Stay curious and keep learning.